Today we continue our uh, study on the book of Colossians. This is probably the third sermon we've had in this series. And uh, the book of Colossians is all about establishing the supremacy or the superiority of Christ. Um, Another way of thinking about it is Jesus is over everything. Jesus over everything. So today we're going to be looking, taking a look at Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20. Um, And if I had to pick a title for this word, it would be called right supremacy. Now, it's not quite supremacy. You see what I did there? It's right supremacy. Because truly our God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the exalted king over all the earth and beyond. And there are going to be so many things that we encounter, whether we're aware of it or not, that attempt to exalt themselves up over and above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we have a job to pulling down those strongholds, pulling down those ideations, pulling down those imaginations that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. But we have to be aware that it's happening. So I would just love for us to position our hearts, position our minds to be ready to receive the word that God has for us today. Let's actually go to God's word. Colossians chapter 1, if you would rise as you're able. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Question for y'all. Do you all believe that something supernatural happens at the proclamation of God's word? Do you believe it? Good. I'm glad I have a faith-filled belief in church because uh, if you're just waiting for me to give you the words of life, you're going to be left wanting, especially today. So <laughs> join your faith with mine that the spirit of God will do the work that the word of God has promised that it would do and that it would uh, discern, it has the power of discerning uh, the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. It's piercing even to the dividing asunder of joints and marrow, soul and spirit. So it's my prayer that the word actually has that work in our hearts, your heart and my heart today. So let's read this in concert, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, we thank you for your presence here. We acknowledge your wonder. We acknowledge your might. We acknowledge your goodness. We declare that you are king. You are Lord. The kingdom is yours forever and ever and ever. The earth is yours forever and ever and ever. Everything in it, you made. And you're holding it all together. You hold the universe together by the power of your word. And so, Lord, we acknowledge that and we submit to that knowledge. 
And right now, we choose to remove anything that's been seated on the throne of our hearts that's not you. Oh, God, would you take your rightful place on the throne of our hearts today? By the power of your spirit, would you open our spiritual eyes so that we would see you? Lord, I pray for a fresh revelation, a fresh illumination of your word, God, a fresh understanding of you, God, and especially a fresh understanding of the Son. God, I pray that we would see Jesus as master as, and as friend, as savior, as redeemer, as author, as finisher, as alpha and omega, as both the lion of Judah and the lamb of God, as both the good shepherd and the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray that we would see Jesus today. Be exalted. Be glorified. Be enthroned here. God, I pray that our hearts would be soft to hear your word. God, I pray that your spirit would make up for whatever lack comes through in presentation, God, but that your word would pierce deep down in our hearts and change our lives. That we would not leave here just to go and do the same things that we've been doing, but that we would believe here, that we would leave here changed. With our hearts more inclined towards you, with our eyes more fixed on you, God and more aware of the enemy's tactics that would uh, dare to try to unseat you from the throne on which you belong. God, I pray that you would prepare us for warfare. I pray that you would gird up your people spiritually in the name of Jesus. It's what you came to do. God, I pray that we would know that we as the church testify of your manifold wisdom and your greatness to the spiritual beings that we've never even seen and are barely aware that are even there. God, as you take your rightful place, will we take our rightful place on the earth? God, would you make your love and your power and your presence all the more tangible to us in the name of Jesus? Holy Spirit, come. Minister to your people. Holy Spirit, come and speak through me. Stretch yourself out in me. We love you, Lord. We pray these things with hearts full of faith. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, Elena, could you put the the scripture back up? We're just going to walk through this text. And I'm going to set a timer. I was told, so I thought I was the shortest preacher here at this church. Like my sermons were the shortest. And I was told that that was very much not true. Um, so I'm going to set a timer for myself. Somebody said Doug was the shortest. Yeah, and I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but... I thought it was me, and it's not. Um, okay. It says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So I want us to see that, and I want to clear up any misunderstandings that we might have. When it says the sun is the image of the invisible God, it's not merely saying that the sun is a representation of the invisible God. It's not saying that the sun is an idea of what the invisible God might be. It's saying that when you see Jesus, you see the God that has existed from before the beginning of time. And when it says that Jesus is um, the image of the invisible God, is he's the firstborn over all creation. Don't understand that to mean that Jesus was created. Jesus was not. It's instead used uh, to show that Jesus 
was with God in the very beginning and he has all authority, the same authority that God the Father had at creation. Jesus also had that from before the beginning of time. This is about Jesus's role and presence with God before creation. It's talking about how Jesus was always the son. Before time began, you might think, okay, Jesus came into the earth when um, Mary was con- Mary conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's when Jesus came on the scene. No, Jesus has always been on the scene, and Jesus has always been the Son, distinct and united with the Father, even in creation. And this is the beginning of the establishment of Jesus's authority over all created things. Because if Jesus has the supremacy, that means that Jesus is superior, is superior over all things in power and authority. So if Jesus is superior over all things, we have to establish that. So it goes on to say, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And y'all, this is where it gets dicey, right? Because I read that verse before I was working on this sermon series, I would read this verse and be so moved. I would think about the trees and the skies. I would think about how God created the skies and flung the sun and the stars and the moon. He created the earth and created birds. I mean, the birds are for the sky. Uh, creeping things, created animals, woodland creatures, bunnies, trees springing up, created the seas and put fish in there, swimming fish, beautifully doing what they do in the water. And I think about all that and I just, I'm like, God, you're so real. You're so awesome. This is amazing. And then I think about God, you made man and woman. We're made in your image and we declare your glory. Just like creation testifies of your wonder and testifies of your power. Listen, so do we and great marvelous are the works of your hands. But this is what it got weird because it says all things were created. Things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. It does not say all things that were good and give glory to God were created by the son. Now hear me. In the original intent, God created, Jesus created everything good. That's the original intent. But there's just some, and y'all, I don't, I, I don't have all the answers here. There's some mystery of godliness happening in these several verses here. But there's something about God giving life to created beings. He also gives them agency. It gives them choice. So beings were created to be good. They were created to glorify the sun. The chapter says later. But really what happens is that sometimes uh, created beings can choose to glorify God in their actions or they can choose to glorify themselves in their actions. Anybody see that in their own lives, just in your own heart and mind? You can choose to glorify God or choose to rebel and glorify yourself. So when it says that all things in heaven and earth Work, uh, in him, all things were created. I want you to know that everything that you can think of was created by God. Even the things that you think are bad. And even the things that use their own power and agency to create evil on the earth. All of those things are created by God. It goes on to say, uh, all things were created, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And it got even more complicated right there. Cause it's like, God, well, how can you hold together the things of the earth that aren't producing good, 
good works, that aren't producing good fruit, that are actually oppressing other people. Like, God, how are you a part of that? And so when I was thinking about the words right supremacy, I started thinking about things that exalt themselves, that declare um, this is the way to be, this is superior, things like that in our own lives. So, of course, the name of this uh, teaching is called right supremacy. The first thing I thought about was white supremacy. I thought about how people can say, no, I'm better. I'm using my power and agency to say that I have dominion over all things because of the way I was created. I should be able to fill every space that I have and other people are lesser than me. I started to think about, um, we don't talk, we don't call it this. I started to think about American supremacy. Nobody's better than us. We are number one USA and we use whatever resources and power that we have, uh, to get what we want at the expense of other nations and other people groups again and again. Then I started to think about other things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and try to say that they are more powerful than the all-powerful one. And those things can be things like the, the spirit of depression or fear. Those things will talk to us when we're by ourselves and say, you're never going to dig yourself out of this hole. You'll never not be anxious. You'll never not be afraid. You'll never be able to give this fill in the blank up. You'll never be able to operate in the spirit of self-control. You'll never have power over it. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just like, God, how are all things being held together by you, especially when it comes to people who are operating in these oppressive systems that would seek to oppress and suppress the image of God and other people suppress and oppress the image of God in me. God, how are you holding all of this together? Verse 16 says, in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Paul includes this in his writing because he's trying to let the church at Colossae know that the brokenness that exists in the, in the natural and the spiritual world is a result of rebellion against God. God created all things and created all things good. Even beings that seek to kill and destroy and steal were created in him and through him and for him. It's these things, these creative beings can choose to glorify God with their actions or they can choose to rebel. And if these creative beings can take it upon themselves to decide that they're superior to God, it's nothing for them to decide that they're superior to you. So they use their agency to manipulate, to oppress, to expose, becoming bigger and grander in their own eyes and fooling us at the same time so that we believe that maybe God is not as mighty as he says he is. So why is this important to us? Why does this matter? Why does it matter that all things were created good in their own, uh, in God's original intent, but people can use their own agency and use their own choice to uh, exercise evil and oppression on the world? It's because of this. It's because God is holding all of the things together. And if there was something else holding things together, then how would God have the power to reconcile? If you look later on in the chapter, Elena, go to the next slide, please, please. It says, um, 
And on verse 19, it says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's a grace to us that God is holding everything together. I don't have all the answers as to why God allows horrible things to happen in the world. I don't. But what I do know is that it's a grace to us that God holds everything together because if he did not, the universe itself would disintegrate and we would all be lost. And because God is holding everything together by the power of his word, by the sheer will of his might, there is an opportunity to be reconciled and be brought back into relationship with the father. And that's what Jesus came to do. All of this whole section is about the story of God bringing himself down to earth to reconcile everything to him. Things that we can see and things that we can't see, both in the natural and the spiritual. It's all about God reconciling everything. And that's why Jesus is holding it all together so that God will get the glory on the earth and in the heaven that he alone has the power to make broken things whole again. And so for us who are blood bought believers, who, who have been, who have, who have the peace of Jesus in our lives, who have, uh, been made reconciled to God through his blood that was, through Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross, like, I want us to understand that the power that Jesus uses to hold everything together and the power that Jesus uses to reconcile everything to the Father, to reconcile everything to himself, he shares with us. And so nothing has any power, has more power over you than the power of Jesus. There is no lie that can be told that is more powerful than the truth of Jesus over you. There is no system of this world that could construct itself that is more power, powerful than the liberating and saving blood of Jesus that is offered to free everybody. There is nothing, and we may not see it on the earth, And that's why we have been saying for weeks, Pastor Don has been saying for months since he's been back from sabbatical, Lord, open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual understanding, because once we see that Jesus Christ, the exalted king over all, has given us access to the power that he uses to hold the whole world together, we do not have to be in bondage to sin, to any power, to any lie, any longer. This is about us being the church. It's about us seeing who we are and not living our lives bowed down and bent over before any other idol, before any other God, before any other supremacy that would dare exalt itself over Jesus. In fact, no, not only should we not be bowing down to anything that exalts itself over Jesus, we're supposed to tear those things down. First Corinthians 10 chapter four says that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We see the impulse in ourselves to exalt ourselves and exalt our will above that of Jesus. To exalt our problems, to exalt the voices of the world above that of Jesus. We see it within ourselves and it's happening on a grander scheme in the world. But if we, the church, would exalt Jesus, if we, the church, would lift Jesus up, then we would see the power that we have access to, to tear down these things for the sake of the world so that the world can find freedom in Jesus. Brooke, a couple weeks ago, she was leading worship and she said something that blessed me. She just said um, that we spend so much time exalting people. 
We spend so much time lifting people up, like whether it's like celebrities or Christian leaders or people that we think do a really good job. But our focus should really be on exalting Jesus, the risen one, the king. Because when we exalt Jesus, it changes our whole perspective. When we exalt Jesus, it changes our lives. When we exalt Jesus, it changes our families. When we, we, when we exalt Jesus, we don't have our minds on our natural bodies, on our natural situations. No, we have our minds on the things of the kingdom. We have our minds set on things above so that we can be activated to be servants of the most high God. So it is my prayer for us earnestly that we would learn to exalt Jesus over everything. It says the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Y'all, this is such a spiritual, cosmic text. This is in here to let you know Jesus has power over both the natural order of things and the spiritual order of things. There is no spiritual demonic force that has more power than the risen king, than Jesus Christ himself. The enemy wants to confuse us to think that the spirit that uh, controls this world, the spirit of darkness that rests on the earth is more powerful than Jesus. But that is a lie. And that truth for us means that if uh, Jesus is more powerful than the powers of darkness in this world, that means I have power over the powers of darkness in this world. And I can use the power that God has given me to tear down these things that would oppress our, our brothers and our sisters. Verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. I love that part. It says that he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Even the power. So it establishes that God, that Jesus was there in the beginning, from before the beginning. So he's definitely, time emanates from Jesus. There was no time until Jesus decided, all right, I'm going to start the clock. I'm inventing a clock. I'm starting it. It's going. So Jesus is the beginning. But then he also is the end because he lived and he died and death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. So he is alpha and omega. He is the beginning and the end. He has the keys to both death, hell and the grave. He's conquered death in the grave so that we, when confronted with death, as we all will be confronted with death in our natural bodies, will not be bound by death. And instead of death being the end, It is only the beginning for us. Our life truly begins when our life here on the earth ends. Verse 19 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, God is willing to reconcile all things to himself. And if God is willing and desires to reconcile things in heaven, all things in heaven and all things in the earth, don't you believe that God wants to reconcile the things in your household? Don't you think God wants to reconcile and restore the things in your heart that are broken and far from him? 
Don't you think God wants relationships to be restored, families to be reconciled with each other? Jesus came to do all of that. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And that leads us to this table. All of this made possible through the blood shed by Jesus Christ on the cross. He himself has been our peace. We who knew no peace, Jesus became our peace. He did that by subverting every authority that would dare to exalt itself against him. He did that by showing a love so generous and so amazing that nobody could have expected it. Nobody could have asked for it. Love that gives us uninterrupted access to the Father. Love that makes us holy no matter what we do. Love that makes us righteous no matter what we do. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I'm grateful for the act of peace that Jesus did on the cross. It was such a violent act, but it brought all of us peace. It brought us peace. That's a good knowledge to have because all of us are waging a battle right now. All of us are in a spiritual battle right now. Each of us, believers and non-believers alike, are just are attempting to just hold on to the dignity that God gave them. Children of God, we're fighting a battle against the, the spiritual darkness of this world. But guess what? God, Jesus himself is our peace. And the very sacrifice of Jesus itself brings us in close to him and gives us power over and above anything that would attack us. Anything that would try to suppress us, anything that would try to silence us, anything that would try to take our dignity. Supremacy and power belongs to Jesus only. The kingdom belongs to Jesus only. He's got everything. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens on the earth, no matter what happens in the spiritual realm, Jesus is continually and steadfastly on the throne and that will never, ever, ever change. His kingdom is sure forever and ever and ever. His reign is forever and ever and ever. And so God, right now we thank you for your sure reign. We thank you for your unfathomable power that created all things. Things we can see and things that we cannot things in the natural world and things in the spiritual world. And we look forward to we look forward to the day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you were Lord all things whether in heaven or in earth. And so Father, 
ask that as we lift you up, we will begin to see you as you really are and see ourselves as we really are. The scripture says that you are the head of the church and we are your body. God, I pray that we will be activated on the earth to do your will, to walk in your power, to walk in the authority that you've given us. God, I pray that we would see you more clearly. And that when the lies come that say, we're not good enough, things will never change, I will never change, the world will never change, everything is in chaos, everything is out of control, where is God, does prayer work, that we would rest on you and your unchanging nature, rest on you and your unchanging power, rest on you and your unchanging, unfailing authority. And that we will see that only you are supreme. And that is Jesus over everything. We submit to you. We bow to you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to turn our attention to our communion table now. Uh, I want to I connect a couple of dots to this table from this text. Um, one of the things I've joked with Erin about in the last couple of months is that the text that she just hit is like the crown jewel text, not just for Colossians, but in many ways for the New Testament. If you can get this text, it's like a, it's like a prism that can make, help us understand everything else that's happening in the New Testament. Um, and that, that's very true of like the table. Because the, the question that we can ask when we come to this communion table is like, why do we keep coming? Like, why, why do we keep doing this thing? Um, and I think the, the thing for us to understand, that very last piece where it says, um, Christ has made peace. He's making peace through the shedding of his blood. That word peace isn't about like an absence of conflict, but it's about the process of making everything whole again. It's the process of like everything existing the way it was originally created to exist. You, your family, creation, all systems, all society, all cosmos, all universes, all everything were created to work perfectly together. And they're broken and they're shattered. And so like the result of what Christ is doing is he is pulling all those things back together again. And so if you, if you picture like the image of the cross with Jesus's outstretched arms, it's as his arms are pulling these things back into order back into the way that it's supposed to be. And the, the thing that the New Testament is addressing over and over and over again is who is going to make things right? And so it's saying like, is it going to be Caesar who makes things right? Is it going to be your selfish desires that makes things right? Is it going to be money that makes things right? Power, sex, the right president, the right Congress. Is it going to be all the systems in this neighborhood working? Like, are, is that going to be the things that pulls everything together to work exactly as it should? Or is there something else that's above and more supreme that holds everything together? 
And what this text is saying to us at the table is it is only through the outstretched arms of Jesus that peace is made. And the problem is we're forgetful people and we need to be reminded of that. And so when we come to the table, what we are saying to Jesus is, Lord, you are Lord and I am not. And nothing else is more supreme than you. And so in all the places of my life where there are things that I'm putting above you, crush them. Like I want to be under your lordship, not above it. And so that's why, that's why Paul, when he talks about instructions to coming to the table, he talks about creating space where we say, are there things that aren't like that in my life? So that when I come to the table, I actually am coming with a conscience that says, Lord, even if I do so imperfectly, my life is yours because you reign supreme. And I want everything in my life to be made like whole again through what it is that you do on the cross. I want to invite our communion servers to come up. Come on up. There we go. If you want to two here and two here, this is the the passage that uh, that we get in the, the first Corinthian letter where Paul is giving some instructions on the communion table. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, and it is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this, this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We want to say that the tables are now open. We encourage you to just take at least a few moments, if not more, to just sit in front of the Lord, sit in his presence, and bring all parts of your life under his, his kind eyes, that he would bring wholeness and healing to whatever places might be broken. Amen. Just real quickly, for those who aren't familiar, we do have a gluten-free option here, and it'll be right here on the end of the table.
Now you can go.